Good morning, how are we doing? Good to uh, see you today. We uh, are in week eight uh, of our 12-week series in the Sermon on the Mount, and so we are uh, closing in on uh, the last part of our series. Today we're going to talk about how you can take a stand for holiness without being judgmental, because I think there's a difference uh, between coming alongside of someone and intervening in their life and then just being, you know, interfering in their life. Well, like there's a difference between those two things. And I don't know if you remember, but in the late 80s, I was in Bible college, and so we were in tune to all this stuff that was happening in the Christian world, but in the late 80s, uh, Jim Baker, Jessica Hunt, a scandal that happened. It hit the, the Christian community and the Christian world uh, like a ton of bricks. And, uh, and here's what I think is interesting about that. Is that uh, there was another pastor, Jimmy Swaggart, who's a well-known uh, pastor back in the 80s. He went on ABC's uh, news show, Nightline. And this is what he said about it. He said, the gospel of Christ has never sunk uh, to such a, a level. I mean, he was all over uh, Jim Baker. I mean, he had nothing good to say a- at all. And then you fast forward a few years, and uh, you all probably can guess what happened, right? So Jimmy Swaggart falls uh, not once, but twice. And uh, I, I, I thought about that this last week, and I thought, you know, it takes a lot of nerve to condemn someone for a sin that you are committing yourself. And yet, amazingly, throughout history, people have done that over and over and over again. You know, Jesus spoke pretty harshly about that kind of hypocrisy And so did the Apostle Paul. Paul said in Romans chapter 2, verses 21 through 24, then he said, you then who teach others, do you not, uh, or do you not teach yourself? While while you preach against stealing, do you steal? Uh, You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in Dishonor God by breaking the law, for it is written, the name of God is blaspheming among the Gentiles because of you. Then in Matthew 7, Jesus gives us this stern warning about hypocritically condemning other people. And he begins with this statement that everybody quotes, right? And the statement is this, verse 1, judge not that you be not judged, right? You hear that over and over again. And we've heard the verse quoted. When when you try to take a stand for holiness, that's what people will come back with, right? This uh, is the Bible verse that seems to be most popular present uh, in our present day. And here's what I think. I think most people that quote that verse don't understand really what Jesus was saying. They seem to think like Jesus commanded this 
universal accept, acceptance of any lifestyle or any teaching. If we drop down to what Jesus said in verses 15 and 16, he commands us to know people by what? The fruit of their life. And, and that means that there's got to be some sort of assessment uh, if we're going to do that. The Christian is called to unconditionally love for sure, but the Christian is not called to unconditional approval. Here, here's the deal. We can really love people who do things that we don't approve of. Jesus is speaking against being judgmental. That is judging the motives of the inner person, which only God can know, but but if we judge the fruit of a man, we we can real, rarely judge their motives accurately. And Jesus doesn't prohibit judgment of others; he only requires that a judgment be what completely fair. And not only do we judge others by a standard, we we do that by the standard that we want to be judged by. And, and can I say this this morning, that most of our judgment in regard to others is probably wrong. <laughs> now, not because we judge according to a standard, but because we're hypocritical in the application of that standard. Right? We ignore that own standard in what? In our own life. Well, we judge others by one standard and then ourselves by another, and, and usually we're far more generous to who? Ourselves, Right? So one of the biggest criticisms non-Christians have against Christians is that they're too judgmental. And I've heard people say, and you probably have too, that Christians think that they're better than everyone else, right? Or that all we do is tell everyone that they're going to hell. That's what we do. I got to tell you this, my personally, I don't buy that. I don't believe that for a second. I really think the majority of Christ's followers that I have known are really very merciful and forgiving people. And I take our church for an example. Just the recent events that we've had to navigate here at our church, right at our annual family meeting, I have to tell you, was the most Christ-like response to a crisis event that I've ever witnessed in the 43 years I've been involved in church. The way we responded, the love and the mercy and the forgiveness that you as the body of Christ displayed on that day was exactly what it means to be Christ-like. And I really think most of the time when people accuse Christians of being judgmental, I think that they're really expressing their own sense of what? Of guilt. And people are very sensitive about this subject, right? They don't want to be judged, right? They don't want to be condemned. And for that reason, we as believers have to use extreme caution when we're dealing with them. In our passage today, Matthew 7, take your Bibles out, turn to Matthew 7. We're going to look at the first six verses. Jesus teaches us how to take a stand for holiness without being judgmental. He teaches us how to avoid the sin of hypocrisy and yet at the same time 
help others discover the truth. In fact, the main point of the passage is how to help someone get the speck out of their eye. In other words, how to help them improve in some areas of their life. And the question is, is can we do that without having this holier-than-thou kind of attitude? And and I think you can. That's what the message is about today. We can intervene without interfering. So go ahead and take your note sheets out of your program. You can follow along with me. When it comes to dealing with other people's faults, Jesus teaches us four principles. The first one is this. How do I take a stand without being judgmental? Number one, if you're not on the jury, don't try to reach a verdict. Right? So, so what do I mean by that? Well, it's pretty simple. If it's not your judgment to make, or if you can't make a fair judgment, then, then don't make the judgment. Right? Matthew 7, 1 and 2. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you set, it will be measured to you. So so there are areas in our life where we do need to make certain judgments in order to make the right decision, like whether or not we'll marry someone, right? Or whether or not we'll let our kids go to this social event or that party or whatever, or whether or not we'll let someone borrow our car or give money to a certain charity or whatever that might be. That's why Jesus said in John seven twenty four, do not judge by appearances, but judge with what? Right judgment. So there are certain juries that we sit on. And it is our responsibility in those situations to what? Make a right judgment. In Matthew 7, though, I think Jesus is talking about a different kind of judgment. He's talking about making a judgment when we don't know a person's motives. Right? We don't know their heart. From time to time, I'll hear someone say, I, I don't think so-and-so is saved, right? Now, that may there be their opinion, but really, it's not their call to make. Only God knows the heart of a person and whether or not they met the requirements of salvation. For James 4.12 says, There is only one lawgiver and judge, and he who is able to save and to destroy, but who are you to judge your neighbor? Romans 14.10, why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. In the context of Romans 14, here's what the strict Christian does. They find it easy to judge their brother, right? They write them off as this unspiritual, meat-eating, you know, compromiser. That's what they would say, right? And then the free Christian finds it easy to show contempt against his brother, right? Regarding him as this uptight, legalistic, right? Goody two-shoe kind of Christian. And essentially, Paul's answer is what? Stop worrying about your brother. Here's a newsflash. Here's an idea. You're going to have enough to answer for. Each of us will give an account of ourselves before God at the judgment seat. So, so we just need to like hone in on that, right? Well, let's just take care of that. 
So, so when it comes to dealing with other people's faults, here's a second thing we can do in order to avoid hypocrisy. Number two is look at your own faults before you look at anyone else's. I know it's really simple this morning, but it's really what? <laughs> Hard to do, isn't it? Right? Verses three and four. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your, uh, out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Now, now the figures of speech here, speck and a log, they're real. Jesus uses, uh, I think he's having a, a sense of humor here. He's showing us that we're generally far more tolerant of our own sin than we are of the sins of others. Right, like the log in your own eye. Our hypocrisy in these matters is always more evident to others than ourselves, isn't it? And we find ways to ignore the log in our own eye. But guess what? People around you, they, they get it right away. Right? They can see it right now. It would be like if you had two brothers, let's just call them Randy and Russell, right? And Russell has a child who's like out of control, but, but his life is totally organized, right? He dots his I's and he crosses his T's with the best of them. Then, then he has his brother Randy and he's like a total mess. Right, his house always looks like a rummage cell. He's, he's never on time to anything. But he's a great father and he has great kids. And here's the deal. Russell is always criticizing Randy for not having his life together. Like it drives Russell crazy that Randy doesn't mow his lawn enough. But the fact that his own son has all these problems and is in and out of rehab or whatever, right, doesn't seem to bother Russell as much as his brother's messy house. See, Randy has a speck in his eye. He's disorganized. Russell, though, has a log, right? Because he's like being this incompetent father. But Russell's more concerned with Randy's problems than he is with his own. It's exactly the kind of attitude that Jesus warned against. Before you judge others, before you condemn others, before you criticize others, what we got to what? Look at ourselves. Fix your own life before you try to fix somebody else's. There's a third thing that Jesus tells us to do as we stand up for holiness without being judgmental, and that is to limit your advice to do as I do. Right? Verse 5, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Now, now, Jesus doesn't say it's wrong for us to help our brother with a speck in his eye. In fact, it is a good thing, right, to come alongside of one another and to help one another with the speck, but not before what? Dealing with the log that is in our own eye, right? He wants us to do it with integrity. That's what he's saying. Right? The person that says, do as I say, not as I do, has no credibility, Right? It's hard to have influence over your kids when we tell them not to lie, for example, when they see you calling sick when you're not really sick. Right? Or when you tell the ticket clerk at the movies that your son or daughter's 11 when they're actually 13 so you can get a cheaper ticket. 
Right then, then we wonder why when our kids get into high school and they lie to us about where they're going, what time they're going to be home. We wonder why. Right, the same is true with me and the church staff. Right, if I can't control my tongue, then I'm in no position to hold them accountable for theirs. Now they don't have a problem. Just don't leave here saying staff's got a problem. So it's an example. Right, it's an illustration. Right, if my office is a mess and I can't tell them, Deb, to keep their offices clean. (laughs) (laughs) She's not here so I can pick on her, right? Here's what I know. That it makes parenting and leadership very difficult because it calls us as parents and leaders to a greater accountability. And James referred to this when he said in James 3.1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. If we want to give advice to anyone at all, in order to avoid being called a hypocrite, make sure the theme of your message is do as I do. Then Jesus concludes the passage with this statement. Verse 6, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. And what he meant by the verse is number 4, don't waste your words on those who will not listen. It's sad but true, but some people simply don't want the speck to be taken out of their eye, right? They don't want to hear the gospel. They don't want to hear your advice. And there's no point in trying to persuade them because they're not about to listen to anyone. It's not in your notes, but you might want to jot down 2 Corinthians 4.4. It talks about how the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel. And if you've ever watched any one of the news shows, whether it be Fox or CNN or whatever show you watch... And they'll be talking about an issue, and usually they have one commentator on one side of the issue and another commentator on the other side, and you notice what happens, and they both start screaming and yelling, and they talk over one another, and you can't hear anything, right? They don't listen. They just want talk. I want to tell you today, some people are just that way, right? They refuse to listen to sound biblical advice. And their lives may be a mess. Their marriage may be falling apart. Their kids are rebellious as as all get out, right? Their habits may be ruining their health. Their temper may be destroying relationships. And, And they may have any number of other personal disasters, but they're not about to listen to anyone. They'd rather be wrong than to be confronted by the truth. And Jesus is just saying we probably should have some discernment when you deal with that kind of person. So some people just don't want to hear. Then on the other hand, there's a lot of people that want to hear good, sound, biblical advice because they see it as what? A pearl. Right? So when somebody shares the gospel with you, that's a pearl. 
when, when, when someone can show me how to improve my marriage, that's a pearl. Right? When somebody can show me how to be a better father, that's a pearl. Well, when someone can show me to be more like Jesus, pearl. Some people don't want pearls. They don't want to hear the truth. They don't want you to speak the gospel into their lives. John said this in his gospel, chapter 3, verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. So how do people hate the light of God's truth? Well, some people express their hatred by actively just fighting against it, right? Others express their hatred by ignoring God's truth, by saying to to Jesus, you know what? You're not worth my time. I am not going to listen to you. It's why we need to proceed with caution before we try to speak into somebody's life. Because some people just don't want you to help them. And what it comes down to is this. It comes down to when, it, when dealing with sin, we need to look at ourselves like three times longer than we look at others. That's how we can avoid the hypocrisy people are so worried about. And again, I think it's the difference between intervening and interfering. Our first concern needs to be what? Us. And then when we try to help others, we proceed with caution. All right? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for uh, your word today. God, my prayer this morning is that you would give us a heart for holiness. God, that you would give us a heart for people and sharing with them how they can live for you. And to do that in such a way, God, that that, that we're helpful and not hurtful. That, that people don't feel like they're being judged or condemned or criticized. So God, my prayer this morning is that each one of us, right now in the quietness of this moment, God, that you would put on our hearts a person in, in our lives that we can share Christ with or or share your principles of living with. And maybe you're here this morning and maybe before you do all of that, you need to take the first step of just being obedient to God and ask him to come into your heart and life and Make him first place in your life. Maybe you're at that point. If that's true and you would like to ask Christ into your heart, you can do that by following me in this simple prayer. It goes like this. God, I recognize that I've not lived my life for you. But but today, I, I want you in my life. And so I acknowledge the completed work of your son, Jesus, in giving his life for me on the cross at Calvary. And I long to receive the forgiveness 
that you've made freely available through your sacrifice. So, Lord, come into my life right now. Take up resident in my heart. Be my king and my Lord and my Savior. And from this day forward, I will follow you. Then, God, would you be with our church today? As we begin to pray for those that you would have to come to our Easter services here, God, would you place the names uh, of the families in our hearts and on our minds? And God, give us the boldness and the courage to follow through and to invite them to come, to, to hear your truth and your gospel. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.